In the words of St. Paul from the reading we heard earlier, he writes, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now in this letter to the Corinthians that Paul, is, that Paul wrote, he's helping a young church deal with a lot of issues. Almost anything ranging from idolatry, the Lord's Supper, the resurrection, and even food became a point of disagreement for these people in Corinth. That's why almost every chapter or set of verses within the letter to the Corinthians deals with a different problem, or at least a further development of a problem from before. And so if there was something to be divided about or angry about or fighting about, I can guarantee you that these Corinthian Christians found a way to already fight about it. And so the topic for discussion today is whether or not a Christian should eat food that has been offered to an idol. And this was a big deal for them. So much of a big deal that they got together, wrote a letter, and sent it to Paul to get his advice and counsel on it. Because he was a leader in the church, so his word and his voice was authority. It helped people settle matters like this. But to our ears, in our modern times and modern culture and technology, that may seem like kind of a not really a big deal to fight over. Perhaps a fitting reaction would be to tell them that there's bigger fish to fry. I bet we could all think of a hundred more reasons to take more seriously than what the people in Corinth should be eating for dinner. But Paul knew this church much better than to just leave it at that. This was more than a fight over food. There was another heart issue going on here. And I think if we can know this church in a similar way to Paul knows them, in, in other words, know them as they are, then perhaps we can also see that this is a bigger issue than food. So here's the setting. The Corinthian Christians belong to a new church, and it's made of a bunch of new Christian members, some not going any more than just a decade or so and being members there. So they likely still had all of their old friends, lived in the same houses, went to the same community gathering places, to the same marketplaces. They were still genuine members of their community and genuine Roman citizens. And from the standpoint of being a Christian, that's actually really important. That's what we're called to do, to be a part of our world, but not of it. However, here's where things get tricky. Talking about their situation, Paul says this. But some members of the congregation, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. And so the problem? Well, the church looked really bad. It appeared as if these Christians were worshiping someone else other than Jesus. And even worse, this eating of the food was causing other members, the new members, to sin. And so from their perspective, from the perspective of the community members or the brand new members, it only makes sense to get Paul involved in this because it was hurting 
people in the community. It was making them worry about who they're actually worshiping. Well, here's where it gets more tricky. Talking to these people who are eating the food and not thinking anything of it, they respond in this way. They basically say, who cares? If those people don't know any better, if those new members don't know any better, then that's their problem. We don't have to deal with that. If they want to be a part of our community, then they have to be like us. They have to know what we know. You see, in almost every way, you and I are outsiders to the situation. We have a fresh perspective. We have 2,000 years that separate us from this church. And so I think I can speak for all of us and say that this is a community um, we would not want to be a part of. We would not want to be a member at that church. Why? Because the Christians there are a bunch of know-it-alls. They say, if you don't know what we know, then tough luck. That's your problem. Go figure it out on your own. Now, I do want to back up a little bit here because it's really easy to look at other churches or especially churches mentioned in the Bible and talk all day long about how they're just really bad at being Christians, they're a horrible church community, and so on. After all, hindsight is 2020. But in their defense, they actually do make a solid argument. St. Paul even tells them that it's technically not wrong to eat this food that's been offered to the idol because the gods that this food is intended for don't actually exist. They know that Jesus is the one true only God. And so they, um, taking this knowledge and what they heard Jesus say in John chapter 8, they believed that they are free from that sin. And here's what Jesus says. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so their knowledge of Jesus set them free from the sin and the idol worship that they used to do. This is what Christ died for, to break us out of that enslavement to sin. And so the knowledge that Christ gives us is a tremendous power, a power that gives us all these new possibilities, a new way of living, and a way to be with Jesus, to get that gift of eternal life. But even with all of this knowledge, all this stuff that they stored up in their heads, was it enough? No, it wasn't. It's because faith had turned into a love for knowledge. Or put another way, it was knowledge without true love. And as the evidence shows in this situation, knowledge without true Christian love destroys Christian community. Knowledge is power. And it even happens to be one of the most important values in every part of the world. You can go anywhere and see people who are respected and who make it far in life, so to speak, for their knowledge. President Harry S. Truman once said, without a strong educational system, democracy is crippled. Knowledge is not only the key to power, it is the citadel of human freedom. The possession of knowledge and, and um, sorry, the possession of knowledge and what we do with it is often used to measure one's intelligence and especially success in school and a career field. So if you happen to not know a whole lot, it's generally assumed that a person like that is just not very bright, which can go on to become a predictor of income, job, 
career choice, family structure, criminal activity level even, and so on. Now, of course, there are exceptions to these patterns that we observe and these rules that have been put forth. But what happens when somebody disagrees with us or challenges one of our beliefs? Well, we usually like to conclude that they're just ignorant. They're uninformed. They're even brainwashed. You see, it's, it's well known that we like to associate with people who are like us. That means people who are as intelligent as we are. That means people who know the things we do and who agree with us. That is what we use knowledge for, to build community. And so knowledge is power. But with this amazing power that God has gifted all of us with, with our senses and our minds, how do we use this knowledge? What do we do with it? We do exactly what the church in Corinth did. We become puffed up. We become exclusive, divisive, and self-important. It becomes the gate for which we let others into our lives and into our communities. Think of our present context right now. If you don't agree with that side or if you don't agree with me, you're ignorant. And if you're ignorant, then you don't deserve my respect, my love, or my time. Red or blue, this is the world that we live in. It's always been this way. Knowledge without true love. And this, Christian brothers and sisters, is what hurts genuine Christian community. You and I confess that God is the creator of heaven and earth and everything in the universe. The trillions of stars out there, the planets, the far-off galaxies are all a part of God's handiwork and creation. He knows how many stars are out there. He knows when it was all created, the exact moment when, it, when that happened. He knows when it's all going to end. He knows everything. And he knows you, everything about you, and everything about me. Truly, that is both a uh, beautiful and amazing thought, but also a terrifying one. Nothing escapes God's tremendous power and infinite knowledge. But with this incomprehensible power and knowledge, he used it all to love you. With every drop of that, he loved you. This was shown for you on the cross when Jesus died and gave you his life. That knowledge and power poured into that cross, into that life in Jesus. And because of that love, God knows you as the person his only son died for and rose from the grave for. And that love that unites you with Christ is the first thing that, Jesus, that God sees when he looks at you because he sees Jesus in all of us. And so God's incredible knowledge is completed with love. His immeasurable knowledge is never without this love that was shown to us in Christ. If Christian community becomes only a matter of what we know, then it becomes about us like any other belief or religion out there. It becomes all about what you know and what you can and cannot do. It leaves your Christian brother or sister out of the picture. Because once again, we take that knowledge and we build our own community based on ourselves in that way. But because of what Christ has done for us, our faith is so much more than empty knowledge. It flows from God's love. It's sacrificial. It's given to all. It makes no distinction as to who can receive it. And so, this is what God tells us in the cross. He tells us the key to Christian community. And so, here is the key. 
is to see our neighbor as one for whom Christ died. The key to Christian community is seeing our neighbor as one for whom Christ died. This is the church you and I are called to be. This is the community that we have the privilege of building around ourselves. The one where we see these people in our lives in the way that God sees them, as people who are worth it, who are worth our very life for, to know them in the way that God knows them. I read a story earlier this weekend about a man who devoted his life to knowledge. He moved to the United States about 30 years ago from China, and he did not believe in God. His career was in theoretical physics research. So compared to what I know, at least, this man understands more about the universe than I could ever hope to grasp or even begin to understand. His field of work is based on skepticism, discovery, and most importantly, knowledge. Knowledge like his is absolutely unparalleled. And oftentimes, when people think of his type of work and research and compare it to religion, well, religion is often laughed off as, as nonsense. Because after all, science is all about knowledge and getting more of it. Yet, this same man is now in his second year of seminary, studying to be a pastor. He wants to tell people about Jesus. Why? He says that it was friendly, loving, Christian witness from his Christian friends and the realization that humanity will never know everything on our own. We will never know. And these two things, knowledge and love, brought him to realize that there is a God out there. There is a God who saw him as worth dying for, a God who saved him. And he goes on to say that it was by this grace of God alone that he is now saved. He would have never come up with this on his own. He would have never arrived at God without the love of his Christian friends. Jesus brought him to faith through knowledge and love, which was found in the Christian community that his friends built around him. It wasn't some sort of fancy argument or proof. It was all about being present with him and letting the Lord build the community from within their hearts and to surround him in that community they built around him. And so, it is easy to make our faith only about the things we know because we're filled in a world that wants to know everything. And left to that, it becomes about ourselves once again. That's why Paul says in verse 1 that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. But because we are with Christ, it's no longer about what we know. It's all about who knows us. He, go, he goes on to say in verse 3 that if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Is that our responsibility as Christians to know what we believe, to know what our Bibles say, and to discover the world around us? Absolutely. It definitely is our responsibility. But the thing that makes our faith different than anything else in this world is the love of God, which is found in the heart of Christian community. And this community is created through seeing our neighbor as the way that God sees them, people who are worth it, people who are worth our life. With this knowledge and love, Paul was willing to give up anything for his Christian brother and sister. And we are led to do the same through God's grace. Making our community wider than the people we already know is difficult. 
That's why Christian community centered in true Christian love is countercultural. But it was Jesus who brought you and who brought me here. He looked at us and he saw us as worth dying for. He saw the entire world as worth dying for. And so by the grace of God, through that work, life is so much more than what we know. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, please give us the eyes to see everyone in our lives as you see them, the people for whom you sent your son to die and raise from the dead from. Make our community a place where they may know you too, Lord, and give us the strength to do that by loving them as ourselves. In your holy name we pray, amen.